you motherfucker. Fun lab. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the You Motherfucker podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Tash. Now, if there's one thing we know about Tash is that she is an advocate for looking after yourself and looking after your mental health. So, we talk to Tash about well-being, why it's important, and what does it mean for her. Hello Tash, welcome to a new episode of our You Mother Funner podcast. We are delighted to have you on our show. How are you today? I'm doing great, Saj. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You look nice and relaxed. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel nice and relaxed. Which is a very important thing for what we're going to talk about today, which is all about well-being, stress, mental health, and everything that is everything that goes with it. So, Tash, we generally start this podcast by asking all mother funners this question, and that is, how would you describe yourself in three words? So, tell me, what, what three words do you have to describe yourself? I would say loud. Uh, passionate and supportive. I really wanted to say funny, but I felt like that was a lot of pressure. So I'm focusing on those three instead. And if you ask anybody that knows me, the very first word would have been loud. Uh, <laughs> I oh I, I don't know maybe maybe you're loud maybe <laughs> yeah. But I'm I'm gonna say definitely supportive. I can definitely feel that it comes across in your personality, the way you conduct yourself. So. Tell us about your background. Have you always been in Melbourne? Yes, I am Melbourne born and raised and I come from a big Italian family. I've got one sister in my family, but I do have over 30 first cousins. 30? Yeah, 30. <laughs> it's, it's massive. And a lot of those cousins now have kids of their own. So it's just continuously growing. Um, you know, I started work when I was ripe age of 14 and nine months and it's always been in customer service roles because I'm obsessed with working with people um, and, you know, having no two days ever be the same. And, you know, when I finished school, I did some studying in community services work in case management and like the social work field. Um, But I knew that I wanted to go back to that a lot later in life. And while I was still sprightly and young, it was really important to me that I spent some time doing something that I really enjoyed and found my way into hospitality and have been obsessed with it ever since. I'm still fixated on 30 Cousins, so just going to quickly just ask <laughs> you this one question. What does Christmas look like in your family? Yeah, it's huge. It's so fun though because, um, you know, everybody brings dishes and stuff as well. So it's just this massive table filled with food. Um, we had to change Christmas so that... We have individual KKs because it was just too many presents otherwise. So once you turned 16, you went into the KK pool um, and you could spend um, around $50 on somebody, but you can't do a voucher and you can't do alcohol. It has to be a meaningful present. Um, anyways, the energy is super high. We're always playing games. It's, it's definitely a day in the year that I personally look forward to. Well, it sounds stressful. <laughs> Let's just say that. The lead up is, the lead up definitely is stressful, yes. (laughs) And speaking of stress, you seem to be, or you are, in fact, quite an advocate for self-care, well-being, people looking after their mental health. Can I start by asking you why, I mean, I, I think everyone should be, but why are you so passionate about this? 
I think for me, it's really important that, you know, we give equal attention to our mental health that we do to our physical health, um, just so that we can, you know, give our mind what it needs to, you know, run at 100% and, and be close to the best version of ourselves as possible. Um, and I feel that, you know, often when we neglect our mental health, um, you know, the the effects that that can have on us is, is really detrimental. So it's really important to me that, you know, I support my own mental health and, and you know, advocate for everybody around me to do the same. I love that you use the word advocate. Do you also empower other people to advocate for their teams as well? Yeah, definitely. I think often when we lead from the front and we live and breathe you know the values and things that are important to us we create a culture of people doing the exact same thing you know um there's a lot of managers and leaders within this business that you know i speak to about you know their mental health and reaching out for support when they need to and you know just taking that self-care time and and i know that through that process that they end up doing it to people that they work alongside of um and it just becomes like this domino effect I like that you use the word support. How would you how would you like people to ask for support in times of need? Well, I think everybody does it in a way that's most comfortable for them. I know when I'm reaching out for support, you know, I'll pick up the phone and, and I'll jump on and, and either call a friend or call my direct rapport and, and sort of, you know, speak about the situation or, or how I'm feeling where I'm at. Um, ideally, you know, I think face-to-face or phone calls should always be the way to go. But, you know, sometimes we're not always in that right headspace and, and emailing is pretty much all we can do. And in any way that you are reaching out for support is so important. So I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong way. We just need to do what's com- most comfortable for us. How do you reckon leaders can have these conversations with their direct reports? You know, I, I, th- I think with routine check-ins is pretty much the easiest way like the more routine you have these conversations and 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 talk about how you're going as a person and as a leader within this business um the more open that conversation is you know if if we're not talking about our mental health often with those that we work alongside of it does become more difficult to to reach out or to have those bigger conversations because that that platform isn't there and you're introducing you know a topic or you're introducing something that you're struggling with for the first time rather than continual check-ins um, or having that sort of relationship been built tasha feel as if there might be leaders listening to this that probably just don't know how to have that conversation with people that report to them or they might be thinking well this is something that is completely new to me can you tell me so let's just assume here i'm a direct report and i'm in a meeting with you can you give me can you tell everyone some of the tips that you would want leaders to hear on how this can be brought up mental health yeah i think There's a couple different ways that we could do it in our company. You know, one of the things that we have is access to our mental health days. So it could just be um, starting the conversation of we've got, um, you know, we've got mental health days or extra time in lieu that we can access. Do you need to use them for any reason in particular? Is there any extra days coming up in your personal life where you want to take some time? So it could be done from a perspective of, you know, um, you know, pre-planning what, what your month looks like and scheduling in some leave. That could be a nice way to, to have that conversation. Additionally, um, you know, just the standard check-in conversation or, or even, um, 
their employee assistance program as well. So just having conversations with those that you're working alongside of and reminding them of of Headspace and the employee assistance programs that we work alongside of that are supports. So just being like, oh, just a reminder, we've got access to to these programs. You know, let me know if you want any assistance in, in reaching out. And it could be as simple as, you know, pre-planning your month in advance or reminding of things that we have access to that could open up that conversation. I think when you say standard check-in, I think that's really important. How Can you tell me how you would do a standard check-in? Well, you know, in, in the venues where I work, um, we get to see each other face-to-face, which is fantastic. So I work five days a week and, and get to see, you know, multiple team members or, or multiple managers face-to-face. Not that's not always the case. Sometimes there's a lot of people that I'm connected with that, you know, I will work alongside in meetings, but not see in person, you know, in the in the months that we work alongside. So scheduling in um, you know, meetings where we can jump on and see each other virtually, or even just picking up the phone as well. Um, with our direct report process, we have you know weekly check-ins that happen organically where we talk about the business, but that's also a space to be talking about ourselves. So. So would you would you open the floor for them to open up about what's happening in their personal life? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think you know when there's when there's elements of our our personal life that's there's exciting things that are going on that you know change change our energy that you know we should be sharing and celebrating within the workplace. And there's often things that going on that that steal our attention in our personal time that. You know, to some degree, it is really important to share just so people working around you, you know, can be conscious of what you're going through. Um, obviously, sometimes there's sensitive information and we're not saying, I'm definitely not saying, you know, share every, every element of that. But even saying like, hey, I've got some stuff going on in my personal life at the moment and making people aware of that can be a huge assistance. Fantastic. How would you say, how stressed out are you? I know it's a weird question. Let's just say on a scale of 1 to 10 where 1 is not stressed at all and 10 is very stressed at the moment. I would say I'm probably about a 6 if I'm, you know, being genuinely honest. I um, I moved houses in the last month and that was a really stressful experience for me because, you know, having to set up the new place and do the cleaning for the old place... Uh, I'm involved in, um, you know, some work within the venues and also trying to launch a venue for Chadston. Um, and, you know, then I've got, you know, my requirements of my personal life. <laughs> so I would say that I'm probably about a, a level of six stressed. <laughs> Moving house is always stressful, so I complete, can completely relate. So can you tell tell me what did you do during this time to really make sure that you had it together? Uh, I did a couple things. I accessed some special leave days so I could have some extra time off to really focus on my move. Um, and I, you know, I pretty much had some real conversations with the, the people in my life that were assisting. I lent on a couple of people to help me move, which was really great to have some extra hands. Um, and, you know, I, I spoke to those that I was working with in my family and said, like, right now, I'm probably not going to be the best version of myself. I am stressed about this move and, you know, the dates and, and the pressure of everything and trying to coordinate work at the same time and, and just let them know during that space that if I couldn't be 100% me, this is why, this is what was going on. And, you know, everybody that I saw during that time was pretty much like, oh, let me know if you need anything, you know, if it, reach out if you want help on the moving day or let me know if I can um, assist with anything work-wise. And there, were, there was a lot of support that was offered. So I knew that if I did need to, to lean on anybody, I know exactly who to go to. 
Uh, not a question related to stress or well-being, but how's your new place looking now? Absolutely fabulous. It's gorgeous. Um, I'm very lucky. Uh, I did have to go back and clean the old house that I'd left. So that was a bit of added stress, but um, that's done now. So I get to wash my hands of it. Nice one. So thanks for sharing that time in your life recently where you had an occasion where you needed people's help. But now let's focus on day to day, right? Because this is something that is important so we don't i believe we really should not be looking at self-care as an isolated thing but something that we should be doing every day what does self-care every day look like for you i think it can be so different each day but for me it looks like genuinely focusing on what i need on a day-to-day basis and that can change you know i've got days where you know i'm feeling a little bit drained from work and i need to spend some time by myself i need to have a bath and read a book and you know, cook a good meal and just watch some reality TV to numb everything, right? And then I've got days where what is most impactful for me is spending some time alongside some friends or some family members. So each and every day, I think I sort of have these moments where, you know, unconsciously I'm assessing what I need and what I want to do with my time and, you know, reviewing that no two days are ever going to be the same. Um, and you know, there might be days where I, I decide to sit at home by myself or go shopping by myself where it actually would have been better to have some time alongside other people. And, you know, um, also just reviewing that's really important too. So there's a, sometimes it could be going for a walk. It could be having a read, going to the movies, spending time with my mom. Like there's, there's just too big of a range of, of what actually helps me. Um, and it will continue to grow as I grow as a person as well, which I think is is exciting and interesting. <laughs> so is that how you would define well-being for you? Yeah, I think well-being for me is is, is such an overarching um, term. You know when I, when I'm addressing my well-being, it can it can be physical, it can be social, it can be emotional. Um, and it's about taking the time to really listen to myself and what I need and putting some action into place for that. Now let's focus on leadership and well-being, right? So I know in the past when we have spoken, you always talk about why it's important to lead by example. What can leaders do in this space in terms of mental health and well-being? I think leaders in this space in terms of mental health and well-being can you know, really focus on, on the message that they send out to their teams on, on supporting that space and, and providing assistance and also communicating Um, when they need help too you know if you look to the venues and you look to venue managers that work closely alongside their assistant venue managers there's so much power in in reaching out on you know what you could use a hand with this week um, or or where you're at on your week to week um, or you know even actively engaging them and then from you know having casual team members in the venue providing a space um, and leading by example of you know these are programs and and like headspace for example that we access um, to support not uh, like provide um, support not only to our guests but to our team as well you know that just really sets that example and we live and breathe um, what we care about so moving away from just you know venue managers or uh, our business you use the term asking for help. I reckon that a lot of people find this challenging, asking for help. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, you know, in the past, it was something that I found challenging myself when it came to asking for help or, or reaching out on, you know, not being able to do a certain 
fulfill a certain role or task because I haven't had the time to do it because my mental health has been lapsing. And, you know, I think for me, something flipped a couple of years ago when I realized that there was more strength in being aware of the need to ask for help than there was in hiding away from that moment. Um, and, you know, I know that there's a lot of reasons that go into why we're not always confident to reach out for help. But I think that um, for me personally, it, I became able to focus on myself a lot better when I was reached out and was honest to the people around me. So firstly, why do you reckon that there's this challenge with asking for help? And what was it for you that really made those events change and now it is easy for you to uh, ask for help i'm asking this question because i know there's people listening who are in this position right tash they they don't know how to ask for help so you know what i want to channel is what advice do you have and you know why do you reckon people are in this position you know i think that a starting point is finding somebody that you feel safe and comfortable talking to and that, you know, that might be somebody you work alongside of, it might be a direct report, it might be a stranger um, that doesn't really know you at all and, you know, in an assistance program and, and you feel like you can speak about everything with them. So a really strong starting point is finding a space where you feel safe and comfortable to explore that journey of reaching out for help. That's, that's pretty much where it begins because if we don't feel comfortable to do so, then it's going to be a domino effect and not continuing that process. So why do you reckon people find it so challenging to reach out? You know, I think we place a lot of sort of self-pressure on, on us when it comes to, to doing our jobs. And, you know, where we've got the expectation of, of those that we work alongside of, we've got the expectation of those that we report into. And then we have our own expectations for how we operate. And often, like I know I'm guilty of putting a lot of pressure on myself and you know, in the past, that's where I really struggled reaching out if I wasn't able to do what was like my day-to-day requirements for whatever reason. A lot of the time I felt guilty because of the pressure that I was placing on myself as well. And then it was when I reached out for support and it was like, oh no, that's, that's completely fine. You just do what you can. And I was, you know, met, reached out for help, was met with support that you know that barrier for me started to come down and that pressure that I put on myself or ridiculously high expectation of how I operated really did start to build down like I still care about how I represent myself and I still care about the work that I do but I no longer associate feeling guilty if I need to take my own time for my mental health just on that what advice do you have for people who need to get over that vulnerability of asking for help I think knowing that you're not alone, knowing that it's so human to to need support and, and reach out to people around you and and knowing that you will be received with, with welcome arms and and people, you know, willing to, to help you in any way that they can. So you sort of just have to have this moment of, of a little bit of confidence within yourself that this is the right thing to do and, and it's hard to be vulnerable. It's extremely hard to be vulnerable and and it's that fear of uncertainty of, of what happens next, but you just have to have a little bit of faith that this is it's the right process to go through and, and ultimately in the long run, you're doing the very best thing you can for yourself. Tell us what changed for you. You know, there's working in the venues, there's so many different scenarios that, that we're faced with on a day-to-day that, you know, there isn't specific training for. I think, um, I think a really good example 
that sort of flipped a switch for me a couple of years ago was at the beginning of COVID. You know, there was a lot of uncertainty around, you know, if we were going to have a business to come back to, if we were going to have jobs to come back to. And, and at the time I had just moved to a new team. I was the venue manager of Strike Holly Moly Eastland. And I had worked there for about three weeks before the news broke that we were going into lockdowns. And I had to, you know, communicate to, to 35 people that I barely knew that we don't know if, if we all have jobs to come back to. And, and that was extremely difficult. And it was a very, you know, sink or swim moment. And, and I was definitely overwhelmed with the idea of, of how, like, how do I even begin to communicate that? Do I call them individually? Do I, do I jump on a video? I can't see them face to face, you know, considering what's going on. Um, so I called back my direct rapport at the time. Um, and I was, I was honest. I said, I, I am at a loss with how to communicate. I've never had to communicate this level of information before. You've called me as an individual. What's your suggestion for how I do this for 35 people that, you know, when we don't have the answers to any of the questions that they might have right now. And he, yeah, he was really supportive and he was like, I'm, I'm really happy that you called me back. You know, my advice would be maybe just trying to jump on a meeting so that they can ask questions in the same forum. And if there's anything that pops up that you don't know how to answer, write it down and send it back to me. And I felt instantly relieved. I felt like without a shadow of a doubt, that if anything did pop up that, and I was out of my comfort zone, I knew exactly who to turn to it and, and, you know, direct the questions to. And it was a really interesting experience. And I remember I was um, at home with my mum at the time and, and she was listening in the background of the meeting and, and came up to me after and, you know, was said, I know that was really difficult, but I'm, I'm really proud of you. I think you did really well for your team. And, um, you know, ever since then, going through the multiple lockdowns and changes and having to deliver a plethora of, of uncomfortable news, um, there's a lot that I took away from that first experience. Wow. So in a way, would you also empower people to not wait until you have to deal with something like that? Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes it's it's interesting to play hypotheticals and say, you know, what would I have to do if, if this happened? Or, you know, know, knowing who to turn to, um, you know, in different departments of the company or in your own time of um, who should I reach out for advice for is, is a really powerful um, resource and tool within yourself as well. How did you build your support network, Tash? It, it was a combination. Um, I'm lucky enough to have worked in the company for about six and a half years now. Um, so within operations, there's a lot of people that I have had the pleasure of working alongside with in the different clusters and, you know, each time jumping in different meetings or going to support office and you know there's new starters in each department just creating that conversation and introducing myself and you know jumping at every opportunity to work with someone new and it's only worked in my benefit and how would your average new recruit and you know i'm, I'm talking more outside fun lab as well how how what advice would you give for them to get their support network going so that in times of help they have that network yeah, I think it, it goes back to something I was saying a little bit earlier is, you know, finding the people in the space that you feel comfortable with and, and you'll go through that process organically and then starting to build upon that, whether it be in the workplace or whether it be in, in friend groups, you know, being vulnerable isn't always easy. So knowing who you feel comfortable with and, and where you feel comfortable is really important. So would you say you stress easily? I, I wouldn't. I would say I used to. I would say I used to many, many, many moons ago. Um, and now I don't. And it's going to sound 
it's going to sound really funny. Um, I learned a long time to sort of compartmentalize and really try and never to stress about things I can't control. You know, I can control what how I react in a certain situation and I can control, you know, my day-to-day focus and my attention and where that needs to be. But I there's so many things that happen in, in outside factors that I have no control over. Um, so what's really important to me is that, you know, I use my time and energy on what is within my direct wheelhouse. You are known for saying self-care is not selfish why do you reckon there's this stigma with it you know i think um i think when you look at a society uh we are so focused on you know putting our time and attention in in other people and you you look at our company you know guest experience is the forefront of what we do everybody else's experience is and should be the focus of what we do so it doesn't always come so naturally for people to focus on themselves as as a high priority so tash i think there has been a lot that we've covered in today's discussion that's been really useful i think you know we don't think about these things on a day-to-day basis and it's really good that we have someone in society in this world in this business that's constantly championing for this i think it's super important I'd like to end this podcast by asking you one last question. And that is, what are the top three things about being a mother funner? Oh, that's such a great question. I think the top three things would be uh, opportunities for sure. There's so much investment and growth and and opportunity within this company um, and will continue to be. And that's really exciting. Um, you know the support and the the community within itself is is fantastic um you know there's people that i've met you know, people is my third one <laughs> there are people that i have met working with this company that no longer work here that are still amazing friends and people that i've met that do work within this company that i know that i'll be lifelong friends with or have connections with at the very least and you know, I think when you look at the support and the opportunities and the people that work here, it just makes an amazing place to work. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure and I hope you have an amazing week. Thanks, Saj. I really enjoyed myself. You too. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the You Mother Funner podcast. If you have any queries, suggestions, or would like to be on our show, please email podcast at fun-lab.com. That is podcast at fun-lab.com. My name is Sarge. I hope you have an awesome week. Thank you for listening. You mother Fun Lab.